The vault is open. I'm Pete McCarthy. June 12, 1939, the year baseball celebrated its centennial and also opened the doors to its Hall of Fame in the birthplace of baseball in Cooperstown, New York. The 11 living Hall of Famers inducted that day were all present, and you'll hear from each of their induction speeches. Now, many know the initial Hall of Fame election included Ty Cobb, Babe Ruth, Onis Wagner, Christy Mathewson, and Walter Johnson. But that class was elected in 1936. The Hall of Fame didn't open until three years later. So in that time, Knapp Lajouet, Tris Speaker, and Cy Young were elected in 37. Grover Cleveland Alexander was the lone electee in 1938. And George Sisler, Eddie Collins, and Willie Keeler were all elected in 39 by the baseball writers. Special committees elected others who made impacts on the game prior to 1900. So without further ado, all of those men, at least the living ones, there in presence at Cooperstown, New York, let's hear one of the great ceremonies in baseball history and a Hall of Fame induction that will never be matched. The first, legendary sportscaster Tom Manning is there. The National Broadcasting Company brings you the baseball centennial ceremonies, which officially dedicate the National Baseball Museum and the Baseball Hall of Fame. Baseball was invented here in Cooperstown, a slumbering little village in upstate New York. 100 years ago, and scores of notables, players of past and present, officials and executives, and thousands of baseball fans are gathered to honor Abner Doubleday, also the game which has become our national pastime. Directly before us, in the heart of this lovely little village of 3,000 population, is the National Baseball Museum. It is a simple, beautiful, colonial structure of brick. It's three stories high. Inside it are priceless relics of a 1,000 memorable games and the men who played them. A short distance away is baseball's first playing field, where young Abner Doubleday laid out the first baseball diamond and established the first set of rules 100 years ago. On a platform in front of the museum are gathered many of the leaders of modern baseball. There is Judge Kenneshaw Martin Landis, High Commissioner of Baseball, William Herridge, President of the American League, Ford Frick, President of the National League, William G. Bramham, President of the National Association of Professional Baseball Leagues. John A. Heidler, former President of the National League. Postmaster General Honorable James Farley. Governor John K. Tenner, former President of the National League and others. And there also is Charles Doyle. He is President of the Baseball Writers Association, the organization which votes select the members of the Baseball Hall of Fame. We take you now without further ado to the speaker's platform where Charles Doyle will serve as Master of Ceremonies. Friends of baseball, today in Cooperstown, home of baseball, we gather in reverence to baseball's immortal, living and dead. This is the centennial of baseball. 100 years ago, in this same village, Abner Doubleday invented this thrilling game. Now, for the first time, his achievement is to be officially honored. On the platform here, in front of the National Baseball Museum, are some of the present great names of baseball. Gathered about by the thousands are townspeople and visitors from far and near, friends of baseball, lovers of this great American sport. 
and all around, perhaps even as far as the voice of radio can reach, hovers the spirit of baseball. A game well played, a lesson learned, a loss retrieved, defeat sustained gallantly. And now, it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you the Honorable Roland D. Spraker, Mayor of Cooperstown, Mr. Spraker. <laughs> Judge Landis and friends of baseball everywhere, welcome to Cooperstown. We in Cooperstown have long been proud of the fact that baseball was originated here. And we are happy that the rest of the United States is being told about it during this centennial year. To those of you present here today, we hope you like our village. We hope the National Baseball Museum and Double Field, which we build in pride, will be as thrilling to you as they are to us. To those of you listening in, we extend a cordial invitation to visit Cooperstown, the cradle of baseball. A few hundred yards from the spot at which I now stand is a lovely peaceful lake. Atsigo Lake. 200 years ago, the Indians, chiefs of the five nations, used to gather for council. It is known as Atsigo Rock, and the word Atsigo is said to be a compound which conveys the idea of a spot at which meetings were held. Today, as mayor of Cooperstown, I ask you all to remember that word Atsigo, where meetings were held and meet with us here in Cooperstown during 1939. Thank you, Mayor Spraker. Before Commissioner Kennesaw M. Landis officially dedicates the National Baseball Museum and the Hall of Fame, we have the privilege of presenting to you the father of the baseball centennial celebration the man who conceived the idea of a great year-long baseball birthday party. He is John A. Heidler, chairman of the executive committee and former president of the National League. Mr. Heidler will introduce Judge Landis. And here is honest John Heidler, folks. Yeah. After 20 years of planning, this is indeed the happy consummation of a grand baseball ideal. For all of us closely associated with the game, this will ever be a proud day. For me especially, these are the happiest moments of nearly half a century of efficient service with the old parent National League. No national institution during its first hundred years has so gallantly surmounted obstacles as has our game of baseball. It has followed our flag through wars and into peace. It has met keen competition for many other sports. It has kept step with our country's progress and with that long era of inventions which have changed our mode of national life. Through all of these, it has come and has grown in added stature and dignity as our national game. I wish to pay a word of tribute to the public spirit of citizens of this historic village and to the generous interest and support of Mr. Clark, who have cooperated in making this event an outstanding success. To President Frick and Harridge of the major leagues, and to Judge Bramham, chief of all the minor leagues, 
I wish to express the appreciation of all of us so-called old-timers on making this hundredth year the best of all. And now I have the pleasure to introduce to you a man I'm sure you all know, the man who for the past 20 years has been the respected and honored one-man Supreme Court of Baseball, Judge Landis. Mr. Hydra, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me a great deal of pleasure to be present at the dedication of the National Baseball Museum and the Baseball Hall of Fame. Since for a hundred years this game has lived and thrived and spread all over our country and a large part of the world, it is fitting that it should have a museum, a national museum. And nowhere else than at its birthplace could this museum be appropriately situated. To the 13 pioneers who were the moving spirits of the game in its infancy, and to the 12 players who've been nominated to the Hall of Fame by the Baseball Writers Association, we pay tribute, just tribute. But I should like, and I think all these immortals of baseball would agree with me, I should like to dedicate this museum to all America, to lovers of good sportsmanship, healthy body, keen mind, for those are the principles of baseball. So it is to them, rather than to the few who have been honored here, that I propose to dedicate this shrine of sportsmanship. And now into the hands of Ford Frick, president of the National League, William Harris, president of the American League, and William G. Bramman, president of the National Association of Professional Baseball Leagues, I now have the privilege and the honor of cutting the ribbon across the door. Ladies and gentlemen, at the moment, Judge Landis, Ford Frick, Will Herridge, Mr. Bramham, Chairman Leaders of the Cooperstown Centennial Committee are leaving the platform. They're walking out of the door of the museum. We're going to try to pick up the uh, sign of the shears that is now in the hand of President Ford Frick of the National League. Listen very closely. The National League of Professional Baseball Clubs, which I have the honor to represent, considers it a great pride and privilege to assist in the opening of this National Baseball Museum. Ford Frick passes the scissors to President Will Harridge. I have the honor to present and take great pleasure in opening this museum on behalf of the American League. President Bramham is next. In behalf of the National Association of Professional Baseball Leagues, representing 41 leagues and 284 clubs in the United States and Canada, it gives me pleasure to participate in the official dedication of the National Baseball Museum. There you are, ladies and gentlemen, we're standing right at the door of the museum, and now the red, white, and blue ribbons have been cut, and the doors are open now for the first time uh, to the public. This beautiful museum, and here is Judge Landis for just a moment. The key is going to the door. Listen. Judge. <laughs> there it is. And ladies and gentlemen, Judge Landis walks in the door first. We're walking right in with the microphone. 
Well, what, Judge, this is as far as we can get, I believe. What do you think, Judge? Well, you've done a fine job. Worth your while. Ladies and gentlemen, Judge Lannis was the first to enter the door. National Broadcasting Company microphone was right at his shoulder, second in. The judge looked around in amazement, and then he's walking right out. He stopped to shake hands uh, with uh, one of the ladies here of Cooperstown, and we're unable to uh, get the judge back. He's being sort of mobbed here by the photographers and so forth. A veritable million of photographers are standing here getting the shots that you'll see in your favorite newspaper tomorrow. And now they're finally extricating Judge Landis from the uh, pulling of the spectators, and he's going back to his place on the platform, and I believe now that we're just about ready to go back to the uh, speaker's roster, man, Mr. Doyle. We now pay honor to the members of the Baseball Hall of Fame, great players and great sportsmen of the past and present. First, the 13 pioneers of baseball, selected by a joint committee of the major leagues. Adrian C. Pop Anson, first baseman and manager of the Chicago Nationals for 21 years. Morgan J. Barkley, first president of the National League. Alexander J. Cartwright, organizer of the Knickerbockers, first baseball club in 1845 in New York. Henry Chadwick, inventor of the box score, baseball writer for half a century. Charles A. Comiskey, the old Roman, first baseman and owner of the Chicago White Sox. William Arthur Cummings, curveball inventor in 1867 and pitcher for the Brooklyn Stars. William Buck Ewing, catcher for the New York Giants and manager of Cincinnati. In Byron Bancroft Johnson, organizer of the American League and its president from 1901 to 1927. John J. McGraw, third baseman, Baltimore Orioles, manager of the New York Giants for 30 years, winning 10 pennants and three World Series. Charles Olhart Radburn, pitcher with the Providence, Boston, and Cincinnati Club. Albert G. Spaulding, pitcher, Rockford, Illinois, Boston, and Chicago. George Wright, star of the first professional team, the Cincinnati Red Stockings of 1869. Great shortstop and captain of Boston in, in the National League. And Cornelius A. McGillicuddy. Tony Mack. Manager of the Philadelphia. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, the privilege, the priceless privilege of being the first to walk out of the Hall of Museum of Baseball is Connie Mack. And now he's in front of the microphone. Connie Mack was manager of the Philadelphia Athletics since 1909, winning nine pennants and five World Series. Connie Mack, folks. I feel greatly honored in being here today where uh, our first uh, national game was started by Major Abner Doubleday. I uh, want uh, to express my appreciation to the people of Cooperstown, New York, for having uh, the game of baseball started here uh, in uh, 
this uh, town of Cooperstown by that Major General uh, Abner Doubleday. I want to express my sincere thanks for having uh, my name enrolled uh, with the other great uh, stars of baseball and with all of those who have taken part in uh, promoting the interest of baseball for the past uh, hundred years. And I am quite positive that in the years to come that uh, we can look forward to our game still progressing due to the fact that we have uh, the Honorable Mr. Branham at the head of the National Association of Baseball as well as Mr. Ford Frick of the National League and Mr. William Harridge of the American League. And above all, we have uh, that great and honorable Kennesaw M. Landis, the Commissioner of Baseball, who is uh, the real commissioner. Thank you. Thank you, Connie Mack. And now the 12 players in the Baseball Hall of Fame, elected by the Baseball Writers Association. Wee Willie Keeler. He hit him where they ate. In his memory. Christy Mathewson, baseball's big six, master of the fadeaway, and famous pitcher for the Giants. In his memory. Ty Cobb, the Georgia Peach, great base runner who holds more records than any other player in baseball. Ty Cobb was a little bit late in arriving here. We do know, however, that he was at Detroit yesterday and is on his way here to Cooperstown. We'll hear him later in the afternoon. Ty Cobb has not arrived yet, folks. He's on his way. The report we have now. And now, Hannes Wagner, the Flying Dutchman, the greatest shortstop in the game's history. And from the Hall of Museum through the large doors comes Horace Wagner. Everybody rises to their feet, and he gets a great ovation. The old Dutchman from Pittsburgh, as he walks out, he shakes hands with the boys in the front row and out of the microphone. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I was born in 1874. This organization that started was 1876. And when I was just a kid, I said, I hope someday I'll be up there playing in this league. And by chance, I did. Now, Connie Mack, the gentleman that preceded me here at the mic, I remember walking 14 miles just to see him play ball for Pittsburgh. <laughs> walking and running or hitchhiking and ride on a buggy. Them days, we had no automobile. Now, I'm certainly I'm pleased to be here at Cooperstown today. And this is just a wonderful little city, or town, or village, or whatever we'd call it. It puts me in mind of Sleepy Hollow. However, I want to thank you for being able to come here today. Thank you, Honest. Now, the next memorial to come before the mic is Trist Speaker, 
greatest defensive player of all time and a great hitter. And here he comes, ladies and gentlemen, the great eagle. He looks fit as a fiddle as though he could go out there and put his glove on and go and get him now. He's dressed in gray with his gray hair and out of the microphone. Thank you, Tilly, and uh, I guess it's good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not going to take up a great deal of time. Connie Mack uh, really made a speech for all of us. I'm very happy indeed to have been chosen by the sports writers as a member of this great hall of fame. Our time is very limited, so I'm going to thank you again and let someone else come on. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Napoleon Larry Lajewey, baseball's greatest second baseman, a natural hitter, and a model of grace. Larry Lajewey. This year, he used to scoop him up, overhand, underhand, on his ear, on his back. It made no difference. The old Frenchman. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very glad to be here today and to meet all the old-timers that you probably a lot of you have watched playing baseball and some of the greatest men that ever walked on the ball field. And I am glad to have the honor to be here today and join with them, and I hope that everybody enjoys it as well as I do, because I'm certainly having a great day. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. The next is Cy Young, and we must go into superlatives on Cy Young, for he is the only pitcher who has ever won 500 baseball games. 511. There he comes, the old granddaddy of them all. He wants to pitch this afternoon on that all-star ball game. He shakes hands with everybody. Now listen for his voice. Folks, I'm like the other boy that preceded me. I'm glad to be here today in honor of this statuary, this Hall of Fame. Glad that I was able to go through 22-odd years and do what I did, and have my name on the record. I'm very glad to be here. Nothing pleases me better than to be about and see and know that the young generation today is following our footsteps, going along throughout our land. One of the greatest games on earth, I don't think, and I do hope and wish, that in a hundred years from now, the game will still be greater. I thank you very much. Thank you, Cy. Thank you very much. Walter Johnson, speed king of the Washington Senators. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, you heard the law. And here he comes, Walter Johnson, Weston Brown, steps up, shakes hands with Judge Landis, and now to the microphone. Johnson, holder of the world strikeout record. Here he is. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very proud to have my name enrolled in this Hall of Fame with these other gentlemen. I'm very happy to be with you here this afternoon. Thank you. Thank you, Walter Johnson. And now, George Sisler, great first baseman and hitter, owner of the world's record for safe hits in a single season, 257. And to the platform walks George Sisler. George is dressed in a, in a light cream-colored suit. He walks immediately to Judge Landis and then over to Doyle and now his voice. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, I think I'm one of the youngsters of this Hall of Fame, but it uh, certainly is nice to be back here and to greet all you gentlemen. I think it's a great thing for baseball to commemorate the uh, fine records of all these great men that have played baseball in during the time that baseball has been played. And I'm certainly glad to do my little part today in helping this great day. 
Thank you. Thank you, George. Eddie Collins, a ball player's ball player. Eddie Collins is dressed in grays, wearing white shoes. He walks immediately out to Judge Lannis, shakes hands as they all do, and here's his voice. Connie Max, $100,000 in field, and here's Eddie in person. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. This is about the proudest day of my life, to be able to rub elbows with the players that are here today. I feel that, why, I'd be glad to be the bat boy for such a team as this. Certainly a happy moment for me, and I'm most grateful to the baseball writers who have made it possible for me to be in this Hall of Fame. Thank you very much. Thank you, Eddie. Grover Cleveland Alexander, old Pete. Remember Yankee Stadium on old Pete? They all jump to their feet. Yes, they're up in the treetops, up on top of buildings. Old Pete takes a little longer coming in, but he walks just as he did on that long walk in Yankee Stadium when he fanned Lazzari. Here he is. I thank you. You know, I had many a thrill in my baseball career and many a treat, but I consider this the greatest treat and one of the biggest thrills I had in my long time in baseball. I'm proud to be a member of these gentlemen who have been here before me and will follow me up here. And in my dreams, I often think what I could do today with a team like they were if they could be now what they were then. I would have no mistakes to be worrying about or when they hit those line drives off me, I wouldn't have no trouble wondering who was going to get them. I do wish to say it's my proud moment in my life to be here with these gentlemen, and I wish to thank them all very kindly. Thank you, Grover Cleveland Alexander. Babe Bruce, the Bandino! How I climbed up that ovation for Babe Ruth. Everybody is standing on their feet, and here comes Babe Ruth. Babe is just in a white Palm Beach suit, wearing a white sports shirt, pulled down at the neck, and his curly hair waving. He walks right to Mr. Doyle. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I hope someday that uh, some of the young fellows that's coming into the game will know how it feels to be picked on the Hall of Fame. I know the old boys back in there who were just talking it over. Some have been here long before my time. They got on it, and I worked hard, I got on it. And I hope that the coming generation, the young boys today, that they'll work hard and also be on it. And as my old friend Cy Young says, I hope it goes another hundred years and the next hundred years will be the greatest. You know, to me, this is just like an anniversary myself. Because 25 years ago yesterday, I pitched my first baseball game in Boston for the Boston Red Sox. So it seems like an anniversary for me, too, and I'm surely glad, and it's a pleasure for me to come up here and be picked also on the Hall of Fame. Thank you. Thank you, Babe Ruth. Folks, it has been my privilege today, a privilege which I accept on behalf of the Baseball Writers Association, to introduce to you the living members of Baseball's Hall of Fame. And now again, we have Judge Kennesaw Mountain Landis. Mr. Commissioner, will you officially open the Baseball Museum? Ladies and gentlemen, I now declare the National Baseball Museum and the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York, the birthplace of baseball, open. May it forever stand as a symbol of clean play and good sportsmanship. 
Now, you may have heard that Ty Cobb was late and did not give his speech. Well, we can't let you go without hearing from the Georgia Peach. So here he is later in the day being interviewed by Mel Allen. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the greatest thrills I've ever had since I've been in radio, to be very frank with you. Because standing to my right is a man who was one of my idols when I was in new pants, so to speak. That doesn't make him so very old because I'm not so very old. But the man I'm talking about is a member of the Hall of Fame, one of the greatest baseball players that has ever lived. None other than the Georgia Peach, Ty Cobb. Mr. Cobb, would you say a few words to our radio audience, please? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, there isn't much that I can say except that I feel very much honored and very happy to be here this day. Uh, one of baseball, baseball's most eventful day. Uh, there's a great many notables here, and it's very interesting to meet lots of old friends and be here on uh, this dedication to the Hall of Fame. Thank you. I suppose that's all I can say. Well, Mr. Cobb, uh, in speaking of the Hall of Fame, we reported to our radio audience the ceremonies that took place at that point, and we were forced to mention that you were somewhat late when everybody, the entire crowd there, was wondering why it was that you were tardy. Well, I, I came into Utica this morning and uh, with my son and daughter, and uh, I, I got a little mixed up on the time of the different events, and so we took our time coming over by auto from uh, Utica and arrived here just a few minutes late, but I, I, I think I'd have been there on time if I had known uh, if I'd come straight to the uh, Hall of Fame instead of looking for a hotel. Well, we're very happy that you got here anyway. And now I want to ask you this question. While you were seated up in the stands watching baseball as it was played and when it was first started in 1839 as time ball and then again in 1850, I wonder what thoughts ran through your mind as you thought of the years that you spent in modern-day baseball as compared with the baseball that you saw played so far this afternoon. Well, I say one thing, those boys that are out there giving us a demonstration how the old-time players played, I, I tell you, they're pretty good. <laughs> and uh, I think they were just about as clever in their day as uh, we might have been in our day. Well, and now before you go, I know you want to get back. I understand you're playing pretty good golf these days. How's your game? Well, do you want to make a game with me, or do you want to know from me how I'm playing? I want to know from you how you're playing. I'm well, playing. <laughs> I, I'm playing pretty good, but if you want to get a game with me, well, I'm playing terrible, and I want a handicap. <laughs> All right, thank you very, very much. Die Cobb. Just very fun audio to listen to, an event that happened over 70 years ago, preserved. And it makes you think, do you think anybody who was involved with the ceremony that day would have dreamed it would be listened to in the year 2010? Now, Lou Gehrig later became part of the class of 1939 as he was elected unanimously in a special election by the baseball writers. They waived the usual waiting period because of his sickness that happened in December of that year. Let you know, of course, if you have an event, game, or player you'd like to be reviewed, be sure to email me at pete.mccarthy at mlb.com. Thanks so much for listening. The Vault is shut.